And now it is my great honor and privilege to give this microphone to my dear friend and sister in the Lord, Carla Porter. Thank you, my dear. Let me get set up here. Well, good. Uh, It's still morning. Good morning, ladies. Good morning to everyone online. What a blessing to see you this morning and to be with you. I just honor Miss Carolyn as my dear friend, my sister friend in the Lord to Pastor Annette and all the leaders who help produce this, I'm going to use a worldly word, but I, I kind of think it fits this magical uh, Christmas luncheon. It just is so touched by the grace of God, and I'm honored to be with you today. I have entitled my message, Christmas Joy, and we're going on a journey to See, how to have joy, not just periodically, but through all the highs and lows of life. Do you understand what I'm saying? That we can have the joy of Christmas because the source of our joy was born on Christmas Day. Hallelujah. And our source of joy is not the same source of joy that the world has. And so, Merry Christmas, everyone. Have you told everyone at your table, Merry Christmas? Merry, Merry Christmas. May this be the best Christmas. Hallelujah. I'm going to start on a rather serious note because I felt the Lord say we needed to identify where we are and how do we go forth. And it is a fact that we're in a war season. This is a fact. We're in a war season. We actually entered this season in 2020. And we're in a decade of war. Now, it's important to understand that this is a war above and beyond what it looks like in the world. In the world, it it looks like some people are shooting at each other and, and so forth. But this is a decade of war for our covenant rights. Our covenant rights to fulfill the will of God in the earth. And the reason this war season concerns Israel's place in the world by covenant with God. And this war season concerns America's place in the world by covenant with God. Satan doesn't recognize our covenant with God and he wars against it. But uh, 
It's obvious the enemy wants to destroy both Israel and the United States. However, uh, there have only been two nations in all of history who aligned themselves by God with God by covenant, and that's the United States and Israel. God chose Israel, but church, the United States chose God. And so the Bible says in Luke 21, we can look at the fig tree and see the season we're in. And when you look at Israel, what is obvious about Israel? Israel is at war. And Israel is fighting for its life. But I want to tell you that God has a plan. And, and Satan warring against this plan is not going to stop God's plan. Let me tell you what God's plan is. God's plan is to pour out his spirit and have a revival so that multitudes will come to know our Savior who came into the earth to save all men who would call upon his name. God's plan, now God's at war too, you understand, but this is how God makes war. God's plan is a great awakening across this nation and every nation who would open their hearts to to him, where communities and families and schools and universities and towns and cities all across the land would open their hearts to God and say, Jesus, we receive you. That's God's plan, a great awakening. God's plan is millions and millions of salvations across this nation, salvations where you would never think you would see salvation. There's going to be a great awakening. Take joy in that church. I tell you, when it's darkest, the light of Jesus shines. Hallelujah. God's plan of war is millions of mighty baptisms in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Joel 2.28 says, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. This is the day that we're in. Hallelujah. God said, Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. I'm telling you, this is God making war on behalf of His Son, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. There are going to be all kinds of healings, miracles, deliverances, all because we have a Savior who was born on Christmas Day. Church, this is how God makes war. Can I hear an amen? Hallelujah. So this 
uh, war is about the body of Christ in our generation being exceedingly fruitful in our works and bearing, uh, uh, bringing in a great harvest of souls. Church, this is why Jesus came. This is why he was born into the earth to be the savior of all men. And I'm telling you, we are in a season of war, but it's not going to wind up like Satan uh, thinks it's going to wind up. Hallelujah. God is also making war on behalf of his son. So church, we, uh, I think it's important that we understand as we celebrate the birth of Jesus during this time of year, that in our generation, we've actually entered into the harvest fields to reap the greatest harvest that the world has ever known. Now listen, part of harvest is winnowing the chaff. There's a great shaking involved in harvest. And part of harvest is winnowing the chaff where the ungodly is exposed. And we read in Hebrews 12, 27, the father says, I'm shaking everything that can be shaken so that that which cannot be shaken may remain. You know, we can't separate what we're walking in from this Christmas season. It, it may be a different kind of Christmas season, but I want you to know that even the great shaking that we're obviously in is by God's purpose and design. He's removing that which is unclean, that which is unfruitful, that which is wicked, that which opposes God. He's exposing, 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 and bringing us in to a time of great fruitfulness. Know this, this Christmas season, no matter what it looks like in the world, God has a plan. God has a plan for you. God has a plan for each one of your families. God has a plan for this nation and for the world. I know you know Jeremiah 29, 11. Let me read it to you from the New Living Translation. For I know the plans I have for you. Church, rejoice in that. God has a plan for you. <clears throat> They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. I want all the young people in here today to know and understand God has a plan for you and it's a good plan. I want all the ones who, on the, who are on the older side of life like I am, hallelujah, God, yes, several are waving at me, hallelujah. God has a plan for you, and that plan has come to us 
through our Savior, Jesus Christ. Everyone say, I have a future and I have a hope. I'm telling you, we're never without a future and a hope as long as we're on the earth. I want to go through some words that have come to me during this season. And they're words, I believe, if we take to heart and we determine to understand them, that they will be a great strength to us. And I... I I believe, especially during this Christmas season, don't we want to receive fresh hope? During this Christmas season, don't we want to receive fresh joy? And one of the major words I've heard, I've got a few to go through here, is anticipation. Can you say anticipation with me? You know, I've... I've I've been aware of a great, um, how can I say, uh, uh, fear trying to grip the United States of America. I would say fear, I would say doubt, I would say uncertainty, but the Lord says anticipate the future. I can anticipate the future because I have a Savior. Anticipation means you look forward to the future. Instead of having the attitude, oh, you know, one bad report after another, and you have the attitude, oh my goodness, what's going to happen next? Have you ever felt that way? You know, what's happened while I slept last night? And so, but we're to have an attitude of anticipation. Don't let what's happening in the world beat you down. We're called as the body of Christ to look forward to the future because we believe, here's why we can anticipate the future. We believe God watches over his word to perform it. Our anticipation is built on this absolute truth. God watches over his word to perform it. Jeremiah 1.12, this is the Amplified Bible says, Then the Lord said to me, You have well seen, for I'm alert paying attention, active, watching over my word to perform it. Church, I want to tell you, we can anticipate the future because God's word will never fail. God's word will never fail. It will never come to an end. It is eternal and everlasting. So be reminded this Christmas season, In all circumstances and at all times, we stay faithful to the Word of God. Anticipate victory in 2024. Anticipate victory, stay faithful to the Word, 
Trust in the Lord. You know, the Lord really schooled me in anticipation when my late husband and I began working with orphans and vulnerable children in Kenya. This was in the early 2000s. And we encountered numerous orphans uh, in, in the area of Kenya that is right on the Uganda border and on Lake Victoria, where the Uganda Islands are. And the AIDS pandemic was raging. This is early 2000s. Uh, Their parents were dead. Their grandparents had succumbed to AIDS. Their aunts and uncles. There was absolutely no one to take care of millions of children in Kenya. And so we became... uh, closely aligned with these orphans, and uh, these children were damaged in every way. They were skin and bones. Their bodies were, they had infected wounds and all kinds of diseases in their bodies. They were, they of course never bathed. When they slept at night, they had tree limbs that they would take turns sleeping on. Some would sleep on the tree limbs to get just a bit of rest while the others watched for wild animals. I'm telling you, I've never seen such human destination. And uh, Wade and I did not have the finances, uh, you know, the monthly budget to help them. But we said to each other, we will begin feeding them one meal a month. And you know, all these years later, a number of them have graduated from college and university. They went to medical school and nursing school. They're accountants and and just all manner of things. The Lord taught me to anticipate his miracles, no matter what the situation looks like. No matter what your situation looks like, if you will stand on God's word, you can anticipate miracles. So I say to you, this Christmas season, As we rejoice in the birth of our Savior, I want to give you Isaiah 35, 3 through 5. This is the voice translation. So, with confidence and hope in this message, strengthen those feeble hands, shore up the weak need and weary, tell those who worry the anxious And the fearful take strength, take courage. There's nothing to fear. Look here, your God. Right here is your God. The balance is shifting. God will right all wrongs. None other than God will give you success. He is coming to make you safe. Take that scripture this Christmas season and believe it. It's true. Anticipate God's goodness to you in 2024 
And in the future, yes, we're in a war season, but Jesus has not changed. God's word has not changed. Hallelujah. And the next uh, word that I want to just briefly mention to you is the importance of edification. The importance that you edify yourself. Always, it's important. But in a war season, ladies, it's so important. Edification means to be built up. It's important that we build ourselves up. Edification means to make progress and to advance in Christ-likeness. Edification literally means to build a house. Well, isn't that what we're called to do in the earth, to build the house of God? Edification is the spiritual growth and development of our character. Hallelujah. It means we're living according to God's plan. Irrespective of what it looks like in this world, through faith in Jesus Christ, And believing his word, we will grow and be strong and fulfill the will of God. We will live according to God's plan. Edification is the opposite of people who live in the natural. They're selfish. They hurt others. They fight. They quarrel and argue. They deceive, lie, and cheat. (laughs) No, we're called to edification, to edify ourselves and develop as Christians. As we go forward, don't feel like you're hanging on by your fingernails. Edify yourself in this season that we're in. Edification means grow in Christ-likeness. Sometimes the Father wants to uproot something in our heart. Let him do that work. Submit to that work. Maybe he wants to tear down a structure of behavior or thinking in our lives that is detrimental to his purposes. And it's keeping us from God's best. Don't resist that. Be conscious of edifying yourself. And church, be conscious of edifying others. I think that's so important. That's what Jesus did. He edified others. First Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore, encourage one another. And build one another up just as you are doing. And I'm going to give you two things. You know these well. How do I edify myself? How do I build myself up? Acts 20 and verse 32 says in the New King James, So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all who are sanctified. Church, get 
in the word. Daily. Just like we have to take in physical food to be strong in our bodies daily, we also have to take in spiritual food to edify ourselves. Jude 20 in the Amplified gives us another key, but you, beloved, build yourself up on your most holy faith. Make progress, rise like an edifice higher and higher, praying in the Holy Spirit. So as we go forward into 2024, church, let's get rid of all the excuses why we don't have time to be in the Word. And let's be in the Word. And we also make time, even if it means getting up earlier or staying up later, whatever it is. Church takes some dedicated time to pray in the Holy Spirit. You'll find yourself being built up if you'll do these two things. Now, another word that all of these are ingredients of of joy. Another word that I've been praying about the future, about 2024, for some months. And realizing we're in a very critical hour, and we want to be divinely aligned with heaven. Yes, we see what's going on on the earth, but it's so critical that we be aligned with heaven. And in praying about 2024, I always look forward to Dr. Savell's word for the year. And this year it was very powerful. Let, let me quote to you what he has released so far. 2024, progressing, advancing, and seeing your highest expectations fulfilled. So in spite of it being a war season, what is God telling us to do? I expect you to advance. I expect you to make progress. Hallelujah. I've got a plan to fulfill your highest expectations. And you may be sitting there thinking, is God talking about me? Yes, he's talking about you. He has a great plan for 2024. And I received that wholeheartedly. And there was a word I had been praying And sometimes you wait on the Lord, and it may be days or weeks or whenever he chooses to release a word or something he wants us to comprehend. But just a few weeks ago, a word, and it's amazing how the Lord does this, rose up in my heart. I'm telling you, it was right here, and it sat there. And that word And I knew it was the answer to what I'd been praying. Lord, if you have something to show me about things to come. It was the word double. It was the word double. And I've been pondering about this ever since. Double is a breakthrough word. I want to say that again. Double 
is a breakthrough word. It means twice as much. It means to go from lesser to greater. It means to shift. And it means to fold over. In other words, if you've gone this far, when you double, you're going this far. It is a breakthrough word. Double has to do with greatness. Isn't God great? Isn't Jesus great? Double has to do with greatness. Second Kings 9 in the Amplified Bible. And when they had crossed over, Elijah said to Elisha, ask what I shall do for you before I'm taken for, from you. And Elisha said, please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. Verse 10 says, Elijah responded, you have asked a hard thing. Now, why is this a hard thing? It's difficult because you can't give another person what you don't have. It wasn't in Elijah's power to give a double portion to Elisha. But it doesn't mean it can't happen. Double, listen to what double is. It's an anointing God grants by his grace to accomplish greater things. And do you know Elisha had twice the miracles of Elijah? As great as Elijah was, and he was a great prophet, Elisha had twice the miracles. So double is an anointing that God grants by his grace to accomplish greater things. But you know, that takes greater commitment. It takes greater commitment to accomplish greater things. And so I have to ask the question, you know, do I want to make a greater commitment to God? I mean, this, this is the question. You can ask and ask and ask for the double, but are you committing to greater things? I mean, this, this is the question. Not that God's not able. He is able. So the double blessing, double anointing is not a common blessing. And so it wasn't in Elijah's power to... Now, I wrote this down. Let me just take a swig here. A good swig. Hallelujah. (laughs) I wrote this down. Let me find out where was I. Yes. This came to me and I grabbed a piece of paper and wrote it down. God is rewriting his, our history. I believe this nation has been headed in a certain way. 
And the result of the path we've been on would mean the end-time harvest would not be reaped. At this time, the nation is too carnal to reap millions and millions of souls. Our focus has been off. But our covenant assignment to preach the gospel to every nation is too important to God and for us to fall off a cliff and fail to fulfill our destiny. Thus, God has a great outpouring of his spirit planned for this nation. There are millions of souls to be saved. Personally, I pray with people online usually that we're believing for a billion soul harvest. How many of you would be in agreement with that? That before the end comes, we're going to reap a minimum of a billion soul harvest. I believe the plan of God that we're, we're walking in and is unfolding to us is for the United States of America to return to our covenant with God, repent of backsliding, and fulfill our destiny. Now, in April 1607, some ships had set out from England. They had a very hard journey across the Atlantic Ocean. But in April 1607, they had come to the shores of Virginia. And Reverend Robert Hunt led them. And before they left England, he had insisted on bringing aboard their little ship a seven-foot wooden cross. Once they arrived at the shoreline of Virginia, he made the colonists stay on the ship for three days, fasting and praying. When they got off the ship, they carried the seven-foot cross with them, and they planted that cross in the soil of Virginia, And all of them knelt around that cross and prayed. This is the prayer. The prayer was recorded. We do hereby dedicate this land and ourselves to reach the people within these shores with the gospel of Jesus Christ and to raise up godly generations after us And with these generations, take the kingdom of God to all the earth. So see, that's the assignment. That's the covenant we, our forefathers made, is to take the gospel to all the earth. He continued praying, may this covenant of dedication remain to all generations as long as this earth remains. And may this land, along with England, be evangelists to the world. May all who see this cross remember what we have done here. And may those who come here to inhabit join us in this covenant 
and in this most noble work that the Holy Scriptures may be fulfilled. And that's the covenant that this nation has with God. And so I believe we have a great work before us. It's impossible with men. We need to humble ourselves, make ourselves available to heaven, pray for this nation to be realigned with heaven. And church, I often pray, God, may we have that double anointing to accomplish this great end time work. Double is an anointing God grants by his grace to accomplish greater things. In other words, I believe this generation is called to a a greater work than we can possibly imagine. The double anointing is a great anointing, and it is much to be desired. There is a level of dedication involved in receiving the double anointing that I believe all of us should pray for. Now, let me enter into thanksgiving and joy. These are other words that have been very prominent in my heart during this season. And going into 2024, for a good while now, I've been receiving light on thanksgiving and joy. These are powerful spiritual forces that we need to employ. I believe one of the greatest assignments we as Christians have is to take authority over the atmosphere. Our atmosphere, our family's atmosphere, but the atmosphere over the United States of America. Millions of us pray every day, may thy kingdom come and thy will be done. But you know, it hinders that prayer from being answered when the atmosphere is off. You can pray that every day and not see the changes that your heart desires when your atmosphere is not in alignment with heaven, perhaps your family's atmosphere, and so on and so forth. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 19, I give you the keys of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in this atmosphere, the heavens above us. So he gave us authority over the atmosphere, and yet we've not been exercising that authority personally as we ought to exercise it and as the people of God over this nation. Most people live according to their negative circumstances. 
the negative occupies their thought life. Their problems, their challenges, what they don't have, so on and so forth, is primarily what occupies their thought life. Yet it should not be so in the kingdom of God. Do you know we're called to live in an atmosphere of thanksgiving and joy? That is when heaven and earth are joined together. During this joyful, celebratory season, I believe we really need to be reminded about thanksgiving and joy. We're we're called to live by the fruit of the Spirit. Not by the works of the flesh. Not by our emotions. Are you with me, ladies? We're called to live by the fruit of the Spirit and establish that atmosphere in our lives personally, in our homes, and wherever we go, we have a different atmosphere than the world has. We're not to be conformed to this world. Can anyone say amen? Amen. And so what, let's ask this question, what am I releasing into the atmosphere day after day? Is it thankfulness? Is it joy and appreciation of others? Am I encouraging? Am I gracious to others? A godly atmosphere is the atmosphere in which miracles take place. Deliverances take place. All kinds of expressions and grace from heaven occur. Now I'm going to give you a key to this atmosphere. I think this is, this may head up the list of challenging scriptures. This is a challenge to every Christian, but by the help of the Holy Spirit, we can live this way. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. What a challenging scripture. What great results we would get if we would take this scripture And say, this is God's will for me. Not just at Christmas time. (laughs) Not just during a, a month of celebration. I don't know about you, but I like to celebrate Christmas all month. Hallelujah. Celebrate the Savior and and just 
rejoice and enjoy loved ones and, and so forth. And, but now let's read this again. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Do you know that closes the door to grumbling, complaining, fault finding, all of those works of the flesh. Give thanks in all circumstances. So my assignment, this scripture says, this is the will of God for you. If you've ever wondered, what is God's will for my life? This is it. We've uncovered a great secret today. It is to give thanks. Pray always. Rejoice always in all circumstances. Church, I didn't grow up like this. We, I don't think... Uh, <clears throat> I'm sure it's changed today, but in the church I grew up in as a Methodist, we did not overly emphasize knowing Scripture. We carried a Bible we to church. We had a family Bible. We did not read the Bible. We weren't taught to do these things. So I grew up not knowing this Scripture. Become convinced of the truth of this scripture. Because in my family, you know, if you felt depressed, you were depressed. I don't know if your family was like that. If you felt low, you acted low. And if someone said, well, what's wrong with so-and-so? You would just say, well, they're sad because. We had no idea about this scripture. Become convinced of the truth of this scripture so that you change your atmosphere. Your personal atmosphere is one of rejoicing always, praying always, continually giving thanks. Your atmosphere changes. Now, when the whole family takes this scripture as the will of God for their life, do you know heaven hovers over that family? What if a church took this scripture? What if a community took this scripture? And what if a city or a state took this scripture? There would be heavenly atmospheres all over this nation. You come to, uh, I I love the book of Nehemiah. Uh, Nehemiah, the children had been delivered out of Babylon. They were back in Jerusalem and Judah. And, um, but one day the priest got out the scrolls and began reading the word of God to the people. They were already low. Israel was at a low point after their return from captivity. They were discouraged. The temple was destroyed. The gates and walls around uh, Jerusalem had been destroyed. Everywhere they looked, they saw destruction. The priests began reading the scripture. 
The people began weeping. I mean, God was up here and they were down here. And, and, and they were so discouraged. But here's the key. In Nehemiah 8.10, and this is the Amplified Classic Bible, Ezra told them, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions to him for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. What day was that? The day they encountered the word of God. That's a holy day. And be not grieved and depressed, for the joy of the Lord is your strength and stronghold. What a mighty scripture, that the joy of the Lord is my strength. It doesn't matter what the attack is, what the enemy is purposing to do. It may look like he's winning over here and he's winning over there. No, no, no. That's not the issue. We're called not to be depressed, but the joy of the Lord is our strength and stronghold. Don't weep. The word cannot be defeated. God watches over his word to perform it. Church, I was in the U.S. packing my bags to return to Kenya in March 2020 when I got up one day and we were in COVID lockdown. I didn't even know what a lockdown was, but I soon found out. Now, I had been living in Kenya for over 32 years. I was thoroughly Africanized. I had no idea I would ever live in this nation again. And uh, over the course of time, I had five dreams that I was being. The Lord was repositioning me. But I didn't understand initially what was happening. And then one day, a scripture was quickened to me. And it's Jeremiah 6.16. Thus says the Lord, stand by the roads and look. Ask for the ancient paths where the good way is. Then walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it. Do you know when I read that scripture, I was in the category of they said. I was resisting this shift in my heart. And I look, I mean, that scripture grabbed my heart. And I said, Lord, I am not going to be among those who say, we will not walk in your will, whatever that is. So I needed a breakthrough in my heart. Once I realized that my heart was not submitting to God, I began receiving some insight. Covenant, ancient paths are covenant paths. They're part of the plan God made before the foundations of the world. Covenant, ancient paths are not by human design. They're not up to us. God created the ancient paths. Church, I had to change my atmosphere 
to get a breakthrough in this. I had to change my atmosphere for my heart to go the direction God had for my heart to go. It wasn't enough to just have that scripture open up to me. I had to change my atmosphere. I had to quit saying, Lord, I don't understand what you're doing. Lord, I thought I would come to be with you in heaven from Kenya. Lord, my husband's buried there. I thought I would be buried next to him. Can you see where my heart was? But before my heart could be changed, I had to change my atmosphere, which had confusion in it. A major key is found in Psalm 100 to change our atmosphere. Psalm 100 verse 4 says, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Let me check the time. And into his courts with praise. Be thankful and bless his name. I'm going to tell you, this is critical for changing your atmosphere. We go from whatever position our soul is in, we turn from that and we just begin offering thanksgiving to God. The message says, I like the message, enter with the password, thank you. (laughs) Make yourselves at home talking praise. Thank him. Worship him. The password to entering any new level with God, new grace that we have in our covenant, a new position in God, whatever is shifting in your life is you enter with thanksgiving. Church, I had to shift from questions and wondering and confusion. It didn't matter if I understood it or not. I had to change my atmosphere by offering thanksgiving. This is the key to entering a supernatural place that God has in the spirit with you. It's not that your mind comprehends it. It's that your heart offers thanksgiving to him. And that begins to change the atmosphere over your life. Let me read that again. Enter with the password. Thank you. I have learned that Thanksgiving and offerings of thanksgiving are the key to entering any part of God's kingdom. Hallelujah. It changes the atmosphere from fear, doubt, and unbelief and sets us up to be led by the Spirit of God. Yes, we see all those problems. But those problems are not going to dictate my life. What I'm going to do is offer thanksgiving to God and he will lead me forth by his grace. I'm not going to make the problems my issue. 
So many people's lives are defined by their problems. But it's God's will for our lives to be defined by thanksgiving. Be thankful. The password for entering God's grace is thanksgiving. Determined to be thankful. Most people are not thankful by nature. They're complainers, fault finders, nitpickers. Do we know what nitpickers are? (laughs) Yeah. But see, none of that creates the right atmosphere in our lives. But God wants a thankful heart to be formed within us, and that will change everything. The root word for thanksgiving comes from charis, C-H-A-R-I-S, and that word means grace. So the root that thanksgiving is founded on is the word grace. Church, when we're thankful, the way is opened for us to walk in greater and greater grace in God. We can be transformed by thankfulness. Remember, our thankfulness is not based on our situations. Our thankfulness is not based on how much money we have or don't have. Our thankfulness is not based on if everything's going right in our lives. Our thankfulness is based on the person of Jesus Christ. It's not the circumstances that make me thankful. It's my Savior in whom I am thankful. Offering thanksgiving opens the way for God to pour out his grace. If I'm encountering a situation, I can turn to God and begin offering thanksgiving to him, not for the situation, but because I know whose I am. I know who will walk me through this situation. My thanksgiving is based on the person of Jesus Christ. In 2024, and as we go forward, In this war season, I believe we need to couple thanksgiving and joy very much. Ladies, there is human joy. When everything's going our way, it's linked to happiness and our circumstances. But then there is heavenly joy. Supernatural joy that the world can't give me, and the, I'm not going to let the world take it away. <laughs> Hallelujah. This joy is Bible joy, and it is independent of our circumstances. It is a deep pleasure and delight in knowing that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him. That's the basis of joy. That's the basis of Bible joy. Not on circumstances, but on knowing God. 
knowing that he's so great, no matter what blow the devil might strike me with, all things, my Jesus will cause all things. Can you say all things? Are there some circumstances in your life today that are included in those all things? All things. He causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him. Joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. It is delight in a person, the Lord Jesus Christ. Joy is delight of heart and gladness centered in God. Church, if we'll shift out of this world and shift into true thanksgiving and joy, the atmosphere over our lives and our families will be transformed. And do you know it begins to affect the whole nation? Joy is found in Jesus Christ. Our joy is in knowing the God of joy. We're to live out the nature of our resurrected Savior, and his nature is joy. Can you say that? Joy is a person. Remember, Nehemiah 18 says, the joy of the Lord is your strength, divine strength. Hebrews 12, 2 says, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He set joy before him. The joy of knowing God will work this for good. And through that joy, he endured what no other man will ever endure. I just want to encourage you. How do you enter the joy of the Lord? How do you enter the joy of the Lord when you're being attacked? How do you enter the joy of the Lord when your circumstances are troubling for you? Daily, lift up your hands before God and say, I know who you are. I know what your word has promised me. And I offer you thanksgiving. Remember, we enter with thanksgiving. Whatever grace you need to enter into, whatever promise you need to enter into, enter his gates, his promises, his his grace with joy. Can you say amen? When we're thankful... God begins to remove obstacles from our future so that we can obtain our inheritance. Let me say this, God can restore your joy. If you came today and you don't have joy, just give me a couple of minutes here. Psalm 51.12 says, restore to me the joy of your salvation. God can restore your joy. Where is joy found? Joy is found in God's word. Psalm 119, 111. I have taken your testimonies as a heritage forever, for they are the joy of my heart. There is joy in the word of God. Let me 
say two things the Lord impressed my heart that affect everything when you don't walk in it. Number one, you want to be very aware of these two things. Number one is lack of honor. Everything that involves God, honor is primary. And ladies, I was uh, particularly impressed reading Malachi 1.6. God asked the people who had returned from Babylon, Malachi 1.6, where is my honor? And so a lack of honor takes you to low places. And particularly, I was impressed honoring our husbands. A lack of honor for your husband affects everything in your life. But this, but that, he's this, he's that. That's not the point about your honor and the honor you display toward your husband. And number two is unforgiveness. The things I've spoken of here today are hindered when we do not have forgiveness in our heart. This precious book, Miss Carolyn, I got it out of the library in my apartment, my utmost for his highest. I just want to read a little portion of it. This was November 20th when I picked this up. It said, let me... Beware of the pleasant view of the fatherhood, of the fatherhood of God, thinking that God is so kind and loving, of course he'll forgive us. That sentiment has no place in the New Testament. The only ground on which God can forgive us is the tremendous tragedy of the cross of Christ. To put forgiveness on any other ground is blasphemy. The only ground on which God can forgive sin and reinstate us is through the cross of Christ and in no other way. Forgiveness, which is so easy for us to accept, costs the agony of Calvary. It is impossible to take the forgiveness of sin the gift of the Holy Ghost, and our sanctification with the simplicity of faith and to forget at what enormous cost to God that it was all made ours. Forgiveness is the divine miracle of grace. It cost God the cross of Jesus Christ before he could forgive sin and remain a holy God. Never accept the view of the fatherhood of God if it blots out the atonement. The revelation of God is that he cannot forgive. He would contradict his nature if he did. The only way back that we can be forgiven and brought back to God is by the atonement. God's forgiveness is only natural in the supernatural domain. Church, some sentences there really struck me about what it cost Jesus. 
to obtain our forgiveness. Don't withhold forgiveness. It cost Jesus so much to provide the atonement for us. Unforgiveness cannot be in a heart that walks in the grace of God. And so, let me, set, let me end with Psalm 1611. You will show me the path of life. Those are the ancient paths. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures evermore. Jesus is our joy. He's our delight. We celebrate him this season. We rejoice in him this season. We lift him high this season. We offer thanksgiving this season for who our Savior is. Merry, Merry Christmas. Hallelujah. Wasn't that amazing? Oh my goodness, that was so good. I leaned over to Jenny and that's, that was exactly the scripture I had from this morning. The last one she read from Psalm 16. And you know that David says in verse 8, he says, I have set the Lord continually before me because he is at my right hand. And that means I have set the Lord in a honorable place. So it talks of honor, honoring God, looking to him. And I know that this is the season where we get so caught up. We're caught up with our calendars. We're caught up with family. We're caught up with things that we have to do. Lists, list upon list upon list upon lists and lots of planning. But I'm going to tell you what. We serve a God who is a mighty planner. There is no such thing, as we heard from Miss Carolyn, there's no such thing about coincidences in the kingdom of God. There isn't. There are suddenlies. <laughs> suddenlies, the angels appeared. But there's also another story about the wise men. And it says that they were searching. They were looking for the king that had been born. And they came up, they saw the star. They were astrologers. They were looking. And I believe that you have come here today, not by coincidence, but by plan, by providence, by providence. God planned for you to be here because you needed to hear this word. You needed to be reminded that God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And that we have to set him in the proper place in our lives, right? In the right hand. That's what David said. I continually, I set the Lord before me continually. That's every morning, every day. I say, God, I can't do this without you. How many of y'all have ever prayed that prayer? And I don't know if you call that a prayer, but it's like, God, I need you. I have no idea what's going on. I don't know what you're doing, but I need you today. That's honoring him so that he can set you on the right path of life. We know there's an enemy, and the path that he has before you is destruction. 
He doesn't want to give you a bad day. He wants to ruin your life. So there's a reason why you're here this morning. And I know we've had a wonderful time. Our bellies are full. But I want to give you the opportunity, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord, if you've never turned to him and said, I need you. I don't know what I'm doing with my life. I haven't been on the right path. If that's you, if you will please stand, we've got some amazing women in this church that will be happy to pray with you and lead you to our Jesus. I don't want to miss giving you this opportunity, and I don't want you to miss this opportunity. I don't want you, this is December 2nd. This is supposed to be a time, it's a reminder of what Jesus came to do, which is to save us, to forgive us of our sins, to set us free, that we could enjoy our time on this earth and leading others to him. Amen? Okay, we want to be a light. We want to be a light this morning. So if that's you, please stand and or lean over and tell somebody, that's me. Please pray with me. Okay, and then I want to pray. Father, we're so thankful <laughs> you met us here. You planned a new purpose this morning just for us, to love on us. And we thank you, Father. We thank you for the glorious time that we've had. And we thank you for all the men and women that put this together, all the planning <laughs> that took place from a year ago. <laughs> Just to love on your ladies, love on your girls this morning. I pray that you go with each one of them, that you be with their families, Lord. You surround about them during this season, Lord, that they would be reminded of this precious word, to be thankful to enter into your presence with joy, knowing that you are our strength and you've placed us on the path of life. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. Amen. Amen. Y'all are blessed. show the slides. Oh, yes, we have slides. I looked over. We've got some slides of our ladies that have been watching online. Oh, and our host. Oh, awesome. Look at that. Oh, thank you all for sending those in. Y'all turn around and wave at the cameras. Tell them we love them. We love y'all. Oh, you're dismissed.